Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Have you ever had that home alone moment where you're sitting on the airplane and all of a sudden you remember what's missing? Kevin! Have you watched the movie? You know what I'm talking about. And even now as I express that, some of you are feeling in your purses, do I have my keys? Do I have my wallet? Where is my phone? There is something that gives you a feeling of anxiety concern and uncertainty when something is missing. I mean, have you ever been missing your keys? How did you look around the house? Like haphazardly, I don't care, I'll find them one day. No, if you don't have your keys, you don't go from point A to point B. Have you ever lost your phone and you didn't download the app, find my iPhone? Now you are wondering why you didn't do that, or have you lost your wallet? And you went through all the process of calling every credit card and then found it under your bed. You know what I'm talking about. When something is missing, you feel anxious, you feel uncertain, you feel concerned. Thanksgiving time, my family and I, we take a couple of days and we spend time together. And it's always such a great time. And every year, we put a puzzle on the table. And for the days that we are away spending Thanksgiving, we just put, go to the table at random moments and we put the puzzle together. Well, there's nothing worse when you put the entire puzzle together and one piece is missing. One piece. So we got to the end of the puzzle, and one piece was missing. And in our family, there's a three-year-old. Her name is Liesl. And everyone blamed Liesl for stealing the missing piece. We even, okay, now we didn't tell her. She was three years old, but we were all doing little alliances around the puzzle. I'm sure it was Liesl. No, I'm sure it was. I mean, she was there at the puzzle. Oh, how are you, Liesl? How are you? Where's the puzzle piece? You know, it's like one of those kinds of things amongst the family. We even had Liesl with pride Because what we'll do is we'll put the puzzle together and then I will flip it over very carefully, put glue on the puzzle, and then we'll put a poster board on the puzzle as like an accomplishment of our Thanksgiving holiday. Well, what we do is then we flip the puzzle back over, everyone signs the puzzle, look what we did, we made Liesl sign the missing piece place. We made her put her name in the missing piece place. And let me tell you, Oh, no, no, she was celebrating, trust me. She thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. We made a big deal of like, Liesl, you lost the piece, okay? We searched everywhere in the house for that missing piece. Under couches, we ripped cushions, we, we did the towels like this. We were looking in garbage cans, we went through the garbage. We wanted to find this missing piece. We never found it until three weeks later. Simeon, Liesl's older brother, 
had pajama day at school. And he put his hands in his pocket, and lo and behold, when he pulled out what was in his pocket, the missing piece. It was Simeon's fault. Simeon came to family dinner, and he's all excited, and he calls me Gogo. That's the only thing that could come out for uncle. And he said, Gogo, we've got the missing piece. And the sense of relief when we took the puzzle piece out, we took the puzzle out and we put the piece in, everyone celebrated. We found what was missing. Truth is, you don't feel right when something's missing. Now, the same should be true in our spiritual lives as well. Unfortunately, according to A.W. Tozer, well, he says it like this. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. No one would know that the Holy Spirit was missing. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And I wonder in the church today, would we recognize if the Holy Spirit was missing? You see, oftentimes I find in the church, people know the scripture, Father, Son, Holy Word, no Holy Spirit, but they lack the power that the Spirit offers to be able to accomplish what God asks us to do. Oftentimes, sitting in my office, I will find people floundering in their faith instead of flourishing in their faith. They're sitting there explaining to me the struggle of sin and how they're not able to overcome or their faith is waning. And they don't know why they don't hunger for the word or want to volunteer at Sunday school anymore or or, or the kids program or even like you heard the announcement. We're in need of youth volunteers. Oh, I did that 30 years ago. And you begin to wonder, what's happened to my faith? Is something missing? Better yet, is someone missing? His name is the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. I ask you to turn to John chapter 16. I want you to see what his responsibility is in the triune Godhead. John chapter 16. Look with me at verse 15. Excuse me, verse 14. John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus is speaking. It's red letters in my Bible. I've actually highlighted this in my Bible. He'll glorify me. For he'll take of what is mine and he'll declare it to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, his role, his job description is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus begins to explain this. If you'll just turn over a page to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, just a page over to the left. Take a look what Jesus says of the Spirit in John chapter 14. I'm going to pick it up there in verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Remember that word. That he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him. Key phrase, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Did you see those words? He'll be with you. You see, Jesus is no longer here physically. And because he died, was buried, and rose again and ascended to the Father, he has given us the promise, the Holy Spirit of the living God. He is with the world. And the responsibility of the Spirit being with the world in order to glorify Jesus is to lead people to Christ. You remember that salvation moment, I pray you'll never forget it. When the pastor or your friend or someone that you were watching on television gave the gospel and you felt your heart pounding like this and your stomach churning like this, that wasn't indigestion. That was the Holy Spirit. He was getting your attention. That's what he does. He's with the world leading people to Jesus Christ. That's what glorifies God. But he's not just with the world. No, once we receive the whole, Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit not just dwells with us, he comes in us. Now let me tell you what he does when he's in us. He causes us to hunger for the word of God so that we can become more like Jesus because that glorifies Jesus. So you coming on a Thursday night Oh, you have got the Spirit in you. You're double dippers. You love the Word of God because you want to glorify Jesus and become more and more like Him as you study the Word. But Jesus tells us something else. Oh, you know the Scripture. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us as believers, a step of faith that we ask him to come upon us, he gives us power. Power to do the work of whatever Jesus asked to do, even being a youth leader. Amen? Amen. That was a shameless plug for youth leaders here at South Bay. Did anyone feel the spirit turning their stomach when I said it? Did anyone feel their heart beating? I don't see any hands being raised. Oh, the spirit just spoke over here. I'm sure in this section there's some youth leaders. Listen, when the spirit comes upon you, all of a sudden the things you thought you could never do, he gives you the power to do and the power to overcome the cycle of sin in our lives. When the Spirit comes upon us, he's living water. So he overflows out of us, and he overflows love and joy and peace. In fact, we, we've started something at our church. Every week, we do, every service, we now do baptisms. We have a baptismal pool on our stage, and so Pastor Zach and I, we go and change in the back in about a minute and a half. We run out to the pool, and people are getting baptized at our church Every service. I mean, they're fully Sunday clothes best coming forward and getting saved and baptized right there on the spot. It's unbelievable what God is doing. And so when they go down, if Zach and I are real careful, okay, we're real careful, we can stay dry from here up. So we'll put them down. They get soaked. And when they come back up, then they hug us. I mean, we were dry. 
But when they are soaking wet, flowing with water, you can't help but get soaked yourself. And when the Spirit comes upon you in the same way, you can't help but soak people with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. When the Spirit comes upon you, He gives you a gift. A gift. And that gift, he empowers you to use to edify the body of Christ. That's what he does. Now, I'm a one-string guitar, okay? I have one gift, teaching. Strum, strum, strum. And let me tell you something. I strum that string because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are five-string guitars, okay? And I'm slightly jealous of the amount of gifts that God has given some people, okay? Like, I look at some of you, and you can sing. You can lead. Um, Zach, we were just over here, and Alex said, turn to someone and say, you sounded great. Alex, I mean, Zach, he looked at me and looked at someone else. And I said, I'm right here, dude. I'm right here. Like, say it to me, you know? Encourage me, man. He still looked at someone else and said, you sounded great. And I don't think they sounded as good as me. Sorry, but I mean, no, I'm kidding. You sounded great. But what gifts you have, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, Man, you strum your guitar as loud as you can because you want to use the gift that God has given you. Now, I know you're believers. Many of you in here know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so you, like the Holy Spirit, you want to glorify Jesus because he's in you. Some of you, he's even upon you. But maybe you're listening to that list And you're wondering, why don't I have the power to overcome this sin? Why am I so afraid to be a youth leader and I know I've got this gift, but why am I not strumming my guitar? The truth is the Spirit of God brought you tonight or you're listening tonight because he wants to empower you. And I want you to see this. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 18. I want you to see the Spirit's passion to empower you as Luke takes the time in Acts chapter 18 and 19 to express the passion of the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the work of the ministry. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Stop there if you would. Let me fill you in what the Bible is trying to let us know about Apollos. First of all, what a name, Apollos. I mean, he's named after the Roman God. I mean, most powerful of them all, right? So let me explain what the Holy Spirit is trying to get across about this man. He's from Alexandria. Now, that may mean nothing to you, but I don't know if you know, it was the philosophical, smart, academic center of that region of the world, okay? This Alexandria held the largest library in the world. 
It was in Alexandria that 70 Hebrew Jews would get together and they would translate the Old Testament scripture from Hebrew to Greek. If you were from Alexandria, it was like saying you graduated from Harvard, you graduated from Princeton, you graduated from these Ivy League schools. Apollos was from Alexandria. The Bible says he was eloquent. In other words, the Holy Spirit's letting us know he was well-educated. He was mighty in the scriptures. Well, the Bible is letting us know that he was skilled in the scriptures. He knew what he was talking about. And the Bible also lets us know he's very diligent about what he believed. He left Alexandria, traveled 470 miles to Ephesus. This guy was educated, he was skilled, he was diligent. This was Apollos. Now take a look. It's Acts chapter 18, verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. John. John was 20 years ago. We're 20 years past the resurrection. Well, I need to let you know, CNN, thank God, didn't exist back then, okay? Fox News, thank God, didn't exist back then. The internet didn't exist back then. Insta didn't begin. You couldn't DM anyone in the first century world. It took years for messages to get out. And Apollos, he heard about Christ from John the Baptist. Apollos was a follower of John the Baptist, and he believed in Jesus, and he actually taught about Jesus through the Scriptures. Now, the Scriptures are the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew his stuff. He was eloquent. He was mighty in the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew the Word of God. Have you ever met someone like that? I mean, they can quote Scripture like nobody's business. My grandmother, my grandmother, she had dementia for the last nine years of her life, from 90 to 99. So I would walk in, and she would, I would say, hey, Ma, that's what we called her. Hey, Ma, how you doing? And she goes, now she's Bahamian, okay? So remember, I'm from the Bahamas. She goes, now who are you? And I said, Ma, I'm your grandchild. She says, Jesha, love, are you my grandchild? I said, yes, I'm your grandchild. And then she would say, well, how many children you got? And I would say, well, I got nine children. She says, you done born nine children? Jesha, love, oh boy, you didn't know when to stop, eh? <laughs> Two seconds later, now who are you? I'm your grandchild. You my grandchild? Yes. Well, how many children you got? I got nine children. Jesha, lover, you didn't know when to stop. <laughs> Two seconds later. Now, who are you? But if you said John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you went, it is well, she'd go, with my soul, it is well. And then her hands would start going like this. I mean, she was the perfect choir director. She was phenomenal. She proved to me, though your outward body is perishing, your inward man is being renewed day by day. 
She was such an evidence of the Holy Spirit. She knew Scripture. She was empowered by the Spirit. But have you ever met someone who knew Scripture? And they would just quote Scripture left, right, and center, but you never saw any action of love out of them? Oh, the Bible says you better not do that. The Bible said you better not do that. Oh, and the Bible said you better not do that. And the Bible says... <laughs> you ever met one of them? You're laughing. So you, you've got someone in your mind. And here's Apollos. He knows the scripture. And the Bible says about Paulus, Apollos that when he was speaking, he was fervent in spirit. It doesn't say he was filled with the spirit. He was fervent in spirit and he spoke boldly. He's following the example of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was fervent. John the Baptist was bold. And Apollos knows how to mimic John the Baptist. He is following the example of his leader, even teaching so boldly. And in the congregation that day, would you take a look at Acts chapter 18, 26 again. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love this. Something was missing in Apollos' life. And all of a sudden, we see why the Holy Spirit had Apollos travel 470 miles to Ephesus. The Holy Spirit was putting him on a collision course with Priscilla and Aquila so that he would learn about the Holy Spirit of God. So desperate, the Holy Spirit to empower Apollos and move him from fervent to filled, he travels him 475 miles so that he could come in contact with Priscilla and Aquila because Priscilla and Aquila, they're listening. Oh, he knows Jesus. He knows the Old Testament scripture. He knows the baptism of John, but he doesn't know the baptism of the Spirit. And Apollos, he's educated. Apollos, he's skilled. He's accurate. Apollos is diligent, but as skilled and as accurate and as academic as he was, Jesus still said, without me, you can do nothing. And the Spirit wanted to empower him. Let me explain. When I was in high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Now, I just read an article. We can no longer say the word junior because that's too male-centric. So now it's freshman, sophomore, don't say the word junior, senior, okay? So I, I literally, I just read this article this past week, okay? So it's freshman, sophomore, don't say junior, senior. Well, I remember we would have pep rallies. Anyone remember pep rallies? The freshmen, the sophomore, don't say juniors, and seniors would all sit in their various places. And they would all be yelling at each other, we have spirit, yes we do, we have spirit. You know the deal, okay? So they would scream at us when we were freshmen, we have spirit, yes we do, we have spirit, yes. how about you? Well, my class thought they were cool. So when they would yell at us, my class would be like, we don't. 
And then they'd go, we got more. And my class would go, we don't care. <laughs> and do you know every pep rally, we always lost. We had no spirit. We, and I would tell them, you have no spirit. That's why we always lose. You're here, you're in school, you're academic, you're present, but we're losing the game because you got no spirit. So when they say, we got spirit, how about you? You say, we got more. And they continued, my freshman, sophomore, don't say junior, senior years with, we don't. My entire four years of college, we, my school, high school, we never won a thing. There was no spirit, no spirit in my class. And Priscilla and Aquila, they recognized that about Paul, Apollos. Now, you know what I love about Priscilla and Aquila? They didn't go and listen to Apollos and then go for Sunday lunch and have pastor roast. Did you, can you believe Pastor Jeff said that? Can you believe that? Notice I said Jeff, not me, because none of you would ever talk about me, right? I know, poor Pastor Jeff, he's going to probably get 10 emails tomorrow. I can't believe you let him come, right? No, listen, they didn't go off and have pastor roast for Sunday, Sunday lunch. No, let me tell you what they did. They invited Apollos to lunch. They decided to disciple him instead of degrade him. And then let me tell you what happened. Apollos is so humble and so hungry for the word of God, he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to prove it to you in a moment. And what the Holy Spirit does is he takes his natural abilities and he supernaturalizes his natural abilities. Apollos becomes the first supersized Christian. He's supersized. You ever get supersized at McDonald's? You can supersize it. You can supersize it. I'll take the extra large version of it. That's a beautiful way when the Holy Spirit comes upon a believer. You are supersized. Take a look. I'm going to prove it to you. After he, they explained to him more accurately, he only knew the baptism of John. Now he knows the baptism of the Spirit. And he, when he desired, key word, to cross to Acacia, another 350 miles, The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, take a look at this, he greatly helped, I've underlined that, those who would believe through grace. He vigorously refuted, I've underlined that, the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures, I've underlined that, that Jesus is the Christ. He desired. Now, I need to explain that Greek word. That Greek word means something within him caused an action. He's filled with the Spirit. And not only am I going to 475 miles, I'm going to go another 350 because I'm going to fulfill the Great Commission. And I want everyone to know not just about the baptism of John, but I want them to know about the baptism that's in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit can come upon you. And he gets to that church And he greatly helped. Helped. Do you remember back in John chapter 14, I asked you to remember, I'll send the helper. Now he looks like the helper. 
he looks like the Spirit. And not only does he look like the Spirit, he greatly helped. This word greatly, multitude. There were hundreds and hundreds of people that he's helping because now it's not just one or two in a synagogue. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit where he's in front of the Jews, no longer speaking fervently. No, he's refuting them vigorously. That word vigorously means with power. No longer is it just fervent. No, it's got authority behind it because the Holy Spirit has empowered him and he's showing through the scriptures. That's so important. I have an ordination class for my soon-to-be pastors at Coast Hills Church. And we're going through a bunch of doctrines for them to know and understand. And they've learned one thing about me. In that class, when they come to me with their opinions, when they come to me with their feeling, I respond, prove it to me in the Scripture. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care what your opinion is. I want to know from the Scripture. Show me from the Scripture. Prove to me from the Scripture, because when you can prove from the Scripture, just like Apollos, you're in the way of the Spirit. Apollos is filled with the Spirit. Something happened to Apollos. Luke, he gives us another example. The Holy Spirit doesn't just leave us looking at the example of Apollos and how the Spirit came upon him. No, the Holy Spirit gives us another example here. Would you take a look at Acts chapter 19 as we begin to understand just a little bit more about the power of the Holy Spirit? And it happened. Keep that in mind. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Stop there. I know I broke mid-sentence, but I need to let you know. Chapters and verses are not inspired. They're entered. And I would encourage all of you to get one of those Bibles that doesn't have chapters and verses. I guarantee you will find new things in Scripture because thoughts that connect in that Bible will just open up your eyes to, oh, that's what that means. So let me say it again. Chapters and verses are not inspired. They were entered to help us out to know where we all are. So I'm going to stop mid-sentence just for a moment. If you'll just understand what's happening in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. You see, no longer is it just Paul who was in contact with Jesus that is fulfilling the Great Commission. We've got a third-generation Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. So people that say, well, the Holy Spirit's not working today like he worked in the book of Acts, it's disproven right here in Acts chapter 19. Because in Acts chapter 2, when Peter said, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children, we see the Holy Spirit empowering Apollos. And Apollos, he was a third-generation Christian. Listen, Paul came in contact with Jesus, first generation. Paul led Priscilla and Aquila to Christ and discipled them. Second generation. Priscilla and Aquila led Apollos in the accurate way. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has not stopped his work. He's still doing miracles. He's still speaking in tongues. He's still doing the gifts of the Spirit in the church today. Amen? 
Amen? Amen. Only the flickering light side said amen. Amen. Okay, we saw a little flicker right here. He's still operating today. He's not ceased his activity. And here is Apollos, and here is Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And it happened, remember, now verse 2, that when he came to Ephesus, he came in contact with some believers, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as even heard, and I've added even to accentuate what happened there, whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized, baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And it happened? And it so happened? The Holy Spirit wants these believers to come in contact with himself. Ephesus was one of the largest cities in the Roman world. It held one of the largest amphitheaters in the world. It held one of the largest center street called the Cardo in the world. It held the largest temple to Diana in the world. Ephesus, even to this day, is one of the world's wonders. It was a magnificently huge city, and it so happened that Paul ran into believers in the city. Now, Paul's usual practice was to go into a synagogue. But the Bible doesn't say that he went to the synagogue. He just happened to run into some believers. Now, obviously, these believers, they had come in contact with Apollos. They had sat maybe in that synagogue when Apollos was teaching, and they had only heard of John's baptism, most likely taught by Apollos. So they were missing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. They were missing the central thought that Jesus ascended to heaven and gave the promise of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord didn't want to leave them there. And so because Paul is guided by the Spirit, he so happens to run into them because God wanted to give the promise to these believers as well. God wanted these believers to glorify Jesus. He wanted these believers to lead other people to Christ because that glorifies Jesus. He wanted these believers to hunger for the word so they could become more like Christ. He wanted these believers to have the power to do the work of the ministry and to overcome sin. He wanted these believers to have the overflow of his love, soaking people with love and joy and peace. He wanted these believers to operate in their gift, whether they were a one-string guitar or a five-string guitar or a 12-string guitar. He wanted them to have the power to edify the church. You see, in describing the Holy Spirit, I ask you to keep your finger in John 16 because we'd go back to John 3. So, Go with me, if you would, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 8. In describing the Holy Spirit, look what Jesus says. The wind, 
Now he's using the wind as an example of the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. In other words, the Spirit has a will. That makes him a person. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. You can hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes. How do you hear the sound of it? I love going to the mountains. I love sitting up around pine trees. And when the wind blows through the pine trees, you hear it. In fact, I'll turn around if it's behind me, and all of a sudden, I'll see the pine trees going like this in the wind. Because anytime the wind hits something, anytime the wind comes upon something, you can't see the wind, but you can see its effect on whatever it hits. That's what Jesus is saying. He's making it very clear. You can see when someone is spirit-filled. You can see the Spirit of God on their life. Look at Apollos. He went from fervent to filled. He went from speaking to powerful. He went from being Apollos to being a helper. The Spirit of God came upon him. When Paul looked at these believers... Paul sensed something was missing. Maybe they weren't evangelical. They didn't have a passion to win the lost, and they became a social club like many churches today. Well, church is great for me, but you want me to share the gospel? Maybe Paul saw that. Maybe he saw that they weren't hungering for the word diligently in their devotion, studying scripture so they could become more like Christ. Maybe Paul saw that they knew the word, but they were lacking the power to apply the word of God to their life. Maybe Paul saw that they knew the scripture, but they weren't so loving. They weren't so joyful. And they weren't so peaceful. Maybe he looked at their life and they weren't operating their gifts. They weren't edifying the body of Christ I don't know what Paul saw, but when he was around them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He knew something was missing. He knew someone was missing. He knew they were floundering in their faith instead of flourishing in their faith. Well, Paul knew exactly what to do. Go back with me to the book of Acts and let's see what happens there in verse 5. When they heard this, when they heard about the baptism of Jesus and everything that was offered, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on him, them, the Holy Spirit came, there's our word, upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. See, Paul was walking with the Spirit. Paul was living in the Spirit. And Paul sensed they didn't know the Spirit. And I don't know what part of their faith was floundering, but Paul knew exactly what to ask. Did you receive the Spirit? And Paul knew exactly what to do. He led them straight to a better understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he baptized them. You see, John's baptism looked forward to the coming of Jesus. But Christian baptism looks backwards to the finished work of Christ. His death, 
burial, resurrection, and ascension allows the work of the Spirit to come. He allows the promise of the Spirit to come to believers like you and like me. So he baptized them in Jesus' name. Secondly, I want you to see, after he baptized them, look, believer, and when Paul laid hands on them, verse 6, the Holy Spirit came upon them. When he laid hands on them, they were filled with the Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. Something was different. The wind was blowing on them, and you could see it was evident with tongues and prophecy that the Spirit of God had come upon them. And Christian, listen, it's significant that you see first he baptized them in water, and then he laid hands on them for the power of the Spirit. It was a subsequent event. It wasn't the same time. Now, for some believers, when they get baptized in the water, like Jesus, the Spirit comes upon them. I've had that experience. And for other believers, like we see here, they were baptized, and Paul laid hands asking for the Spirit, and it was a subsequent experience for them. But believer, what I want you to see here is this. Whether you call it a baptism of the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit, Being filled with the Spirit is a step of faith for the believer. Paul laid hands on them and prayed. He asked for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Let me give you an example. It's the disciples. The disciples are looking at Jesus' life. I mean, he's like walking on water. He's turning water to wine. He feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Like, they're looking at his life and go, the wind is blowing. Like, (laughs) something is different about you, Jesus. So they're looking at Jesus, and he goes off one time to pray. They're watching his life. In Luke chapter 11, he comes back, and the disciples say, "Um, teach us how to pray. Because however you're praying, we'd like to pray that way because we want to do what you do. So would you teach us how to pray? Something is different in your life, and it's missing in our life. So would you teach us how to pray so that we can be like you? Jesus gives them the prayer, our Father which art in heaven, and then he tells them a story. He tells them a story, and he ends the story with this. Though you being evil, well, hurtful, Probably couldn't handle in a snowflake generation, right? Though you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? I want to remind you, he's speaking to disciples, you and me. He's speaking to people who believe in Jesus. And he says to people who believe in Jesus, you want to know how to pray? Ask for the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to do the things that I do. It's a step of faith for the believer to listen to Jesus and say, Spirit of God, I need you. So church, I want to ask you three questions. Listen. Question number one, do you sense 
that something is missing spiritually in your life. Like, you're really struggling overcoming this sin. You wonder why you don't have the power to do what you know is true about God's word. You're struggling with a little gossip here and there. You're watching things that maybe you know you shouldn't be watching. You're involved with things that you know, it rubs you wrong way, but you keep going back. I'll ask you the question again. Do you sense something spiritually missing in your life? If Paul had to walk into your life, would he look at you and go, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? I mean, do you walk around and your face is just like this? I love Christians that look like this. You know, they just look, how you doing? I'm great. My grandmother, my, oh, God bless, not my, my other grandmother, my, other, my mom's mom, love her to death. We used to call her Myrtle. That was her name, okay? And we just, Myrtle, we love Myrtle. And I would always say, Myrtle, how are you? You know, and we weren't disrespectful. It was just like a fun thing that we did with her. Myrtle, how are you? She would go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I would say, Myrtle, please let your face know. And she would say, do for Lord's sake, child. Have you ever met a believer like that? Have you ever met a believer and you're out in the foyer? Hey, how you doing? I'm great. I'm so great. I mean, thank you, Jesus, for the day that he has given me. Is something missing? I mean, you know John 3.16. You know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But you're lacking some love. I mean, you ain't soaking people with love and joy. You're soaking them with misery and frustration. Is something missing? Let me ask you another question. Do you know the scripture? Like, be kind one to another. Like, go the second mile. Turn the other cheek. But when you're driving on the 405 and that person cuts you off, I'm going to turn your cheek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I heard someone when I first moved to California. You know why they called the 405? Because you're on it for 405 hours. Do you find yourself on the 405 and all of a sudden you've lost your patience? You know the scripture, be patient. But you just don't have the power to put it into practice. You know that your workmates are talking about you, so you're talking about them instead of being kind and showing them a different way. Someone just told me the other day, why would I come to church? My yoga class is happier than the church. They're finding community outside because they're looking at us going, you guys are no different than the world. What a shame that we're not soaking them with love and joy and peace. We become the moral police instead of moral agent. Church. A third question. Do you find yourself floundering in faith instead of flourishing in faith? I need you to be honest, believer, about these questions because we've got to come to a place do we realize something's missing. Something's missing. And maybe we need to become as passionate at finding what's missing spiritually as we did with our puzzle piece. 
turning up the bed, going through the garbage. I got to find what's missing. Because let me tell you, if you don't have the keys to your car and they're missing, you ain't going nowhere. And if you don't have your wallet when you walk into the store, you ain't purchasing nothing. And if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, believer, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Church. If you've realized tonight something's missing, I got great news. You have to go out in the parking lot, sweep it for 13 hours. And when you're done, come in here and spray this entire place with disinfectant. Then when you're done, you clean Pastor Jeff's office. And after that, I want you to paint this entire building. And with this new color and stage, reupholster the purple. I mean, you've got a lot of work to do before you can have the Spirit. Disregard everything I just said. Because Jesus did all the hard work for us. He died. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And Paul tells us, and what does it mean that he ascended? But that he descended, and when he ascended, gave gifts to men. He did the hard work for us. And so if you've realized tonight something's missing, it's someone. And like Jesus instructed the believers, the disciples, though you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? Would you stand with me, church? I'd like to let you know the light flickered when I said that. That was from the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. I don't want South Bay to be the church that Tozer was talking about. If 95% of the Holy Spirit left South Bay... I pray we would feel like a vacuum. Like what in the world just happened? So church, tonight, we're just going to be obedient to Jesus. And if you've recognized something's missing, Would you be obedient tonight and realize he's someone? And all we have to do is ask him, Holy Spirit, I need you. I used to be diligent about telling people about you. I used to hunger for your word because I want to be just like you. I want to glorify you. Spirit, I need you. I'm struggling with this sin. Would you give me the power? Spirit, I need you to overflow out of me. You're the living water. I want to soak everybody with your love and your joy and your peace. Spirit, I need you. 
I want to play my guitar. And if I've got one string, I want everyone to hear it. If I've got two, three, four, and five, Spirit, I need you. Fan the flame of my gift. Pour gasoline on it. Empower me to do the work. So as Alex plays this song, as we sing, would you take a moment, would you ask for the power of the Holy Spirit? If you need to raise your hands and surrender, if you need to kneel right where you are, you come before the presence of the Lord Jesus. Be obedient to what he directed his believers to do and ask today for the Spirit of God. I started the message tonight when a mom on an airplane in a movie yelled Kevin. She realized what was missing. And I wonder tonight how many believers realized I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And like Apollos, I'm going to ask you to take a humble step. Apollos, when Priscilla and Aquila showed him the way more accurately, obviously he got it. He didn't say, I'm from Alexandria. You can't teach me nothing. I've been in Calvary Chapel for 40 years. Now, Apollos humbled himself. And we see the evidence of his humility. The power of the Spirit flowed through his life. I believe God wants to do a new thing at South Bay. As we are merging out of COVID... God has woke his church and he is doing a great work here. Now a step of humility. If you asked for the spirit of God, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at and say, Jeff, that's me. I want the power of the spirit in my life. Church, would you look at the amount of people that said before the Lord, do you realize what's going to happen at South Bay? This many spirit-filled believers? I see a vision of light in a very dark place. A bright, shining light called Calvary Chapel, South Bay. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name with every hand that is lifted. Fill them with the power of your Spirit. Come upon them in powerful ways. Grant unto them spiritual gifts. Grant unto them supersize faith. I pray they would be passionate about evangelism. I pray they'd be hungry for your word more than they've ever been. That John 3.16 would mean something more now than it did 40 years ago. I pray that you would overcome them with power. I pray you would overflow out of them with love and joy, peace, long-suffering. I pray that you'd give them gifts and enable them by fanning the flame of their gifts with the power of your spirit to not only see youth leaders in high school, 
but missionaries around the world. Spirit of God, fall fresh on Calvary Chapel, South Bay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit of the living God, the church says, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.